Watch out! It's a fury of teas! I certainly don't know what that means. But I'll tell you what I do know, guys. Tea Fury is the original pop culture t-shirt destination selling unique designs every day since 2008. You can snag their shirts for only 24 hours, starting at midnight. Hey, 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 you! Missing a shirt from the past and want to get it again? Head to the T-Fury Gallery, where you can buy some old designs still in print and vote on others to come back from the dead. You know, I like to say zombie style. Every two to four weeks, T-Fury adds more designs to their gallery, so be sure to keep an eye out for the return of your favorite shirts. T-Fury shirts cover all your favorite topics and fandoms. They got everything from gaming, sci-fi, anime, TV, movies, pop culture, and more. Their T-shirts change daily, so check back as often as you'd like. Also, feel free to get a life if you're not able to uh, check in that much. I don't think anybody's going to hate you for it. Also, don't forget about the T-Fury after-hour sale. If you miss the day's shirt by only a little, they heat the sale going into the wee hours of the morning just for you check out tfury.com backslash nerdist and see what today's shirt is all about guys that is advertising hey guys welcome to episode 102 with pilar alessandra i uh what i want to do for shout outs today kind of a long list but i just really quickly wanted to acknowledge everybody who um purchase something from the Art of Elysium fundraiser for our 100th episode. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys a special shout out and dedicate this introduction to you. Um, by the way, I'm recording this on my phone because I don't have an internet connection. I'm experiencing some real problems getting online. So I'm hoping that 4G is going to hook me up and that I can send this intro to Katie without any muss or fuss. Uh, anyway, so if it sounds worse than usual, that is why. Um, but I do want to thank these guys, uh, folks, thank you so much again for, for contributing. Um, as you know, I've contacted all of you and, uh, I'm working on getting everything out to you. It takes a little bit of time because I have to collect everything from everyone and I don't have anyone helping me. So I'm literally just packing and shipping everything myself. Um, so uh, I appreciate your patience, but please accept my shout out in the interim. I want to thank Deborah, Catherine, Tiana, Caitlin, Christopher, Amy, Victoria, Michelle, David, Jordan, Megan, Caleb, Lauren, Kelly, Andrew, Arvi, Lloyd, Kirsten, Martin, Allison, and Alvin and Jim, you guys, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I just appreciate it so much. Uh, it was, it's been so amazing to have you guys on board for, uh, for the podcast thus far. Um, and, uh, and then I want to quickly acknowledge also, uh, David C. Schmoo, Leaf Joseph, Spencer Joseph, PJ, Alex, Scott B, Amy, and Ginger for just being in, in touch with me. Oh, Ginger, what am I saying? Ginger made me those, uh, JV club stickers that she was threatening to make. And she also gave me a, a beautiful gift of like a vase with some handmade, um, felt flowers. So anybody who's wondering, yes, Ginger Gonzaga is the best human being in the world. Um, okay, that's it, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode with Pilar, and uh, I hope to hear from you soon. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. now uh i have a little bit of a deep morning a deep morning voice as if i've been out partying last night 
That is definitely not the case. It's kind of hot. It's it kind of doing it for me, Janet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, happy Sunday morning, Saturday morning to everyone. I already forgot that it wasn't Sunday. Um, I think it seems like a soothing Sunday voice. It's a Sunday NBR voice. It is. But it it's is. Saturday morning. It's Saturday. But I did not party hardy last night. No, VR. no. Instead, I was watching... Um, I'm actually really excited to say this on the podcast and super embarrassed. Uh, I was watching Colonial House, oh, which I had never seen, which was on PBS. Oh, that old, right. The, the reality show. Like, I would say that old reality yeah, show. It is that, the old reality. I think it was like 93 right, or something. It was, it was sort of that thing that was still Maybe called a docudrama yeah, at the time, yeah. but really it was just a reality show because yeah. people went crazy. Did you, did you watch the one I where some I've, wife went just berserk? Don't spoil it for me. Okay. Do not spoil it. All Listen. right. Spoilers are allowed after like 20 years. I don't know. I, it, maybe it was 2003. I'm not sure how long it's been. I think it's either, I think maybe it was 2003, but now I can't remember. I'll have to look. It doesn't really matter because it supposedly takes place in 1628. But 1628. It's really old. It's, it's a really yeah. old rerun. And they, um, listen, my boyfriend and I ordered the DVDs because uh, we both realized, like we brought it up in conversation and realized that we both had like a fascination with the idea of it and had never watched it. And so we started watching it. And we're sucked in instantly. It is fascinating. Are you going to maybe start churning your own butter? <laughs> I'm around the corner from churning my own butter. I'm doing it right now. I'm turning my own butter. You look cute in like right one now. of those hats those and little like, bonnets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it is really interesting because they are, and I won't continue to talk about this for the entire podcast, but <laughs> they are kind of. It's not like a real. I mean, it's PBS, so it's not like a survivor type reality right. show. Right, it's where the kind like of reality show where conflict. you can feel okay about watching it. Right, yes, uh-huh. you feel like you're learning because there is a soothing documentary voice, not unlike this one, <laughs> who says stuff like, "In 1628, women had no place in you know politics, and therefore they had no right to speak out if they didn't agree with something that was happening in the colony." And so then you have these. You know, the people that they got to be on the colony are like agreeable people because, again, it's not like a, you know, salacious and network show that's looking for conflict. But it's definitely like people who are like, you know, oh, I wanted to do this because I'm interested in living off the land. I'm not interested in wearing a red P because I'm when I like say a curse word, right, which is actually what they decide to enforce and stuff. So it's just interesting. It does bring up a lot of like current versus old school sort of like conventions and how did those things become conventions and how was law different than it was back then and like what was the purpose and, you know, and the maybe I'll go back and, and and watch this. Maybe maybe you, it's maybe watch it with my girls. It, it, it is starting really, to sound educational. I think they might really like it. I'm learning so much about. I kid you not. The first settlers to the country. Okay. I truly am. And, and you know what, too? This might um, make them actually do some chores around the house. Like, you know what? You, you, <laughs> I, if you could clear the dishwasher or go out and milk the cow. It's yeah. it's up to you, ladies. What do you want to do? Yeah, there you go. And, and you guys have a cow, for sure. We, you know, we get, we had to give the cow up. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. Your soothing NPR voice, you could add that to your, your voice repertoire. Because I don't know if you know this, but you're like a celebrity in our house. Because you are the voice of Cora, and my girls are nine and thirteen. They love they love Cora, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to go over to Janet Varney's. You know, I'm going to go do a podcast because you know mom's kind of cool." And they're like, "What?" I was like, "Voice of Cora." Oh my god! So they went crazy. 
Yeah. Well, they probably look a little bit like Cora if they look anything like you. They don't. Okay. I, All as you right. know, married in uh, a, a, a really white guy, I'm and so sorry. yeah, I mean, really it's not like I'm. I'm kind of tan. Let's let's just be clear here. But um, um, so they so they're kind of as they like to say, they're peachy pink. They're very okay. peachy pink right. and very sort of Irish looking. And when they would draw pictures of the family, like in, when they were in preschool and stuff, they would both draw me like completely brown. So they'd be like, they'd be like, <laughs> like this is a little white family and then this brown mommy. Uh-huh. And then I would come to like parent teacher conferences and they'd be like, ah, are you really? <laughs> yeah, they just, just browner okay, than they well, are. Of course, pretty brown. I guess if they don't look like her, they don't look like her. What do you do? Listen, they couldn't look less like her than I do. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. Um, well, that's very nice to hear. I'm so glad they like the show. I they really, are huge fans. Uh, I really believe in Mike and Brian, the creators, and I just think they they tell such great stories. And like, it's so nice when it's. TV that you don't have to roll your eyes at because frankly there's still like children's programming that is great for kids but yeah. as a parent you know yeah it's not, I remember little... the shows that my dad loved watching with me versus the shows that my dad was like yeah you're on your own I'm kiddo. <laughs> like I can't get I can't do this you know? what were some of the ones where you were on your own like you can't do that on television yeah was on Nickelodeon oh I loved it so much you know that's like the or- the origin of sliming like, people get slimed <laughs> And I love that show. And my dad loved, I mean, he would watch Sesame Street and Electric Company and the Muppets, like huge Muppets fan. Um, but he just couldn't. Yeah, there were certain things. And also he'd get really annoyed with me when I would watch like old like Three's Company reruns or Night Court reruns because he was like, oh, this is, that's just like trash. That's just trash. But I maintain that it's really great sitcom. Like, that, <laughs> like those are great sitcoms. Those are classic sitcom structure. Yeah. Back in the day when like a live audience, you actually wrote jokes that like kind of were funny enough to like elicit a laugh from a live audience opposed to some of the stuff now where you're like, so this is a multicam huh there's not really a lot of jokes in here you know it's it's like it's so scary because like back in the day and like yeah my day because those were on live when you know i was well i remember three's company i remember it on tv you'd put it on prime time and it would be there listen it was probably on prime time too for me but they were probably already syndicating the earlier season it was we're not that far it was i don't know I don't we know. both look terrific. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, we both look fabulous. Let's be very clear. <laughs> so, were, and were you into shows like that when you were younger? Did well, you? What it, did you like watching when you were a teen? Funny because I grew up with three grandparents in my house. Okay. Oh wow! Okay. And my my father and my mother were you know young parents and my mom was in college and law school and my father was this rock star architect so they really weren't around and I had these three grandparents that supposedly were going to take care of me but they were kind of like depression era cranky old bastards and the three of them <laughs> lived there so I watched what TV they watched okay so I kind of grew up like a like an old man um I watched like the Rockford Files and Fish and Barney Miller and and like my friends were watching Speed Racer and I had no idea what they were talking about. So yeah, I would they would sit there in their easy chair. We'd watch All in the Family and that was the stuff that I that I thought was current TV. Yeah. So I pop culture wise, it took me 
quite a while to catch up. I think I watched um, all that stuff, like Three's Company and everything, on TV Land as well. It just happened to be on when I was, you know, when I should have been watching it, but I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you should have been. Yeah. You had a moral responsibility <laughs> to watch those shows. I just sat down, you know, with my grandparents, and yeah. like, I mean, that's why I was such a dork until, <laughs> until you know, in my teenage years, because I was. Yeah, I grew up like a like an old dude. Well, where did your where where was your old where was your old ass living when you well, were eighteen? I was we because my dad was this rock star architect and also couldn't make up his mind. He had some issues. Um, we moved around so much, like almost like I was a military kid. We moved around seven times before I was ten years old. Holy smokes! Yeah, which makes for a real people pleaser like like please like me please well, um, either that or just like a complete lone wolf who just doesn't you know who stops trying yeah like the, i was go two ways i was a bit of both i was like this total bookish dork but in school i would do anything to make you like me anything and that didn't really go away we finally settled down so to speak in uh winchester massachusetts which is a, a suburb right outside of cambridge and stuff um i I can't say I was really happy about settling there because we had gone from Brooklyn, New York, where I kind of finally felt at home. And in Winchester, I really felt different. I had a funny name and I did, I was darker and, and I came from like these, you know, parents that weren't like anybody else's. And yeah, I had my crazy grandparents and it was just kind of, kind of, uh, I, I can't say I, I felt completely comfortable <laughs> what uh how, so did your grandparents make all of those moves with you guys when did they like yeah, that's a lot of moving they, for some grandparents. they did and we started collecting them when i was about four years old um my greek grandparents had a diner which uh which side paternal or maternal my father okay so side. your dad's greek so and his parents yeah so they, had a, they had a they he had a they had a diner and of course it it went under so then they moved in with us and then my grandma B, who's my Jewish grandmother on my mother's side, um, I think her third husband dropped dead. So then she moved in with us. So grandma B. So it was kind of like this big extended family, which should have been very, very happy. But like I said, they were just cranky old kids. I have to. Be but it is honest. unusual, no, to have uh, uh, your both at least as you know at least one grandparent from either side living in the house with you. that's like charlie in the chocolate factory it, time. it, it was and so, i would I watch... can only assume they all slept into the same yeah. bed yeah and so uh, when i would watch charlie in the chocolate uh, which is willy, willy wonka, wonka yeah. right yeah. i would watch that and i would watch all in the family and actually that was that's what my family looked like and i thought yeah doesn't everybody live with their old cranky yeah nutty grandparents <laughs> is there a part of you now that not to be a revisionist historian or anything but where do you fall in the sort of like nuclear family? We don't take care of our own anymore. We all sort of like scatter out like seeds in the wind in this, in, in most, um, especially like coastal kind of suburb, you know, uh, uh, metropolitan American communities. We're not as attached to our immediate family. Um, it was your, does your experience make you feel like, and I get, and I understand why, or is it more like, you know, I oh that's yeah it was great that we did that or I'd like to say there was some nostalgia but no I understand why <laughs> I absolutely do I mean like you know as around my teenage years uh, they all started uh, you know divorce happened with my folks and so one of them went away because they were mad and then 
you know, one died and then one went to Florida. And I have to say, there was a certain sense of like, oh, I can breathe a little bit. I will probably feel differently when my children have children and, you know, I'm knocking at their door. But I, I do believe in independence. I think that's something that I've, I'm always striving for in everything I do. Yeah. <laughs> and you think that, and so that that feeling sort of that feeling of wanting to burst forth kind of stays in you if you've kind of been contained in that way. Yeah, I think I'm not really good with people looking over my shoulder and telling me what to do. And I think that comes from having grandparents like, nye, 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 nye. And it's kind of it's kind of funny, because on one hand, you live, live with grandparents, so you're, you know, you're being nagged. But on the other hand, I had parents that weren't around that much. And it was the 70s going into the 80s. And there, there was a time where kids could basically do anything that they wanted as long as they were home at dark. And, in, and because the grandparents were too old to really notice and my parents were too like off to really care, I would actually, I did, and I wanted independence so badly, I would just sort of go off and just do my own thing all the time. Yeah. Like I, I was wandering around Brooklyn, New York, going to, dance class or whatever, the library, the park, by myself at nine years old. <laughs> and I would never let my nine-year-old do that. Yeah, I know, I, right? I would let her go down the block by herself, you know? And in, in a way, it was kind of cool because I, I really did learn how to be an independent person. But on the other hand, I'm like, what? How did, how did I live with all those people and nobody was actually paying attention? I know. <laughs> did you have siblings? Um, I did not. My, my little brother was born when I was eight. Mm. So it was, uh, you know, when you have, have a sibling that's that, mm -hmm. it, it feels almost like a different generation. Mm -hmm. You know, he became more like, like sort of my first like a son then yeah. then like aunt, your yeah theory. exactly did, were you and did were you charged with caring for like boy i was about to ask like a sort of coarse question which was like it sounds like your parents were never even around the same room together how did they even have him but i know well actually um you know when they were around in the same room they were, they, they were getting busy i know that for for a fact <laughs> Wait, i'm glad i asked <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were both like really get like young fabulous it was like living with movie stars it was kind of weird how they, young were they when they had you well my I, my mom was 22 yeah um my dad was 25 and now i mean when i had my kids i was 34 and 38 yeah. so i mean a whole decade uh earlier my mom had me and i think one good thing about having kids a little bit later in life is you know you've you've grown up on your own you're you are who you are when you have them early sometimes you're growing up in front of your kids sure and uh with my mom going to college so late and my dad being who he was it 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 was interesting you know i these parents were it was also the era 70s right they were total disco parents amazing <laughs> like american hustle yeah. my father dressed he looked exactly like Bradley Cooper in, in American <laughs> Hustle. He had he had the suit. He had the perm. My mother had those hats, the hair, the outfits, a little less low cut, um, but uh, the whole thing. And they were just like these fabulous people that were ambitious and 
and super achievers, incredibly talented. So they were wonderful role models in that way. And they weren't fantastic parents, but, <laughs> but they were incredible, incredible as uh, inspiring people as far as, as career goes. What, uh, what was some of the stuff that your dad worked on? What- he at one point was, well, oh boy, he was, uh, did the uh, part of the lower Manhattan plan. He was head of the national, of the, urban design program for the National Endowment of the Arts during the Reagan administration, even though we were Democrats. He was um, a professor at Harvard Graduate School of Design. He came out to Los Angeles to be Dean of Otis Parsons. I mean, he was, you know, pretty, pretty huge. Yeah. Um, And my mom uh, went to college later. Well, at that time, it was considered later in life. She was only in her 20s, but she had me and she went back to college. And then she was accepted early acceptance into Harvard Law School. And her application was championed by a professor there named Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So she like, I really have nothing but admiration for these two people who came out of the Bronx, they had nothing. And they just put their talent and their intellect to work. But it it definitely made for like, oh yeah, and there's a kid. (laughs) And we have to party too. And we have to like do all these fabulous things. Sure. So I would go to Harvard with my mom or my, I'd go to work with my dad. I, we, like I said, we moved around a lot and I, and I watched these two people turn into what they are. Um, But yeah, I kind of like sort of like this lonely kid sort of making her way. I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. Would your grandparents... Was there any kind of verbal acknowledgement of what was going on in that way with your parents? Like, would your grandparents have said, well, you know, your dad's never around. You know what I mean? Like, was there any utterances of that? Or were they just like status quo is your parents are gone a lot and we're in charge of you, but we're kind of not in charge of you because we're your grandparents. Yeah, it was like that. Like their job, they felt their job was um, cooking. (laughs) So they would cook these big things in pots that were really, really good. It was like Greek and just, huge awesome food i would i really grew up to be quite a foodie because of it um and yeah you know if i was home by dark you know that that was fine you know uh but that was it it was pretty much it was pretty much it. i mean i sound like oh poor me but it was when i look back on it it was it's interesting to think about yeah absolutely the only time i'm ever oh poor me is when i think about like ah oh, i really had to kind of learn how to be a parent because I don't really think that I learned that well. Um, so I had, I, now that I have children, I'm like, oh no, okay, you have to, they have to be in bed at a certain time and no, they can't go out on their own. <laughs> Being married to Pat really helps because he's from Pennsylvania <laughs> and he's like overly cautious. So yeah. between the two of us, we, we balance our <laughs> things out. Well, what, so, okay, so when you settled down, and so did you go to high school in Winchester? I did go to Winchester High School. Um, I, was a, I was a really big theater person in high school. So that really sort of got me through the the part of not feeling that accepted you yeah, know it's been a great magnet i talk about it a lot on the podcast because i you know by virtue of where i live and who i know we all so many of us have had that experience in theater that it does like it's a great collector of misfits in such a lovely way yeah and it, it you know it's 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 a great place for really putting a, a, an actual passion for an art to use and focus and all that but also for me it was like Again, I wanted to be liked so badly, and it was like that forum of 
okay, I, I, I'm going to be accepted for doing this one thing, but you know, secretly I wished I was a cheerleader. <laughs> right. But I, but no, I, I really, I lo- really loved doing theater. I did a lot of it in high school. Did you have, I mean, when I think about this, this, these, those of us who, you know, are these kind of people pleasers and, and I think, how does that translate into your anxiety level as a young person or as a teenager? Like, did you feel, did you feel that? Cause you know what I, I, I don't even know what I'm asking. This is what yeah. always happens to me. I don't always know what I mean when I start talking, I would say 90% of the time, <laughs> but, uh, but that, that feeling of like the machine that spins you forward when you, when you are, when you want to be liked and taking things personally because you're, you know, you're hoping that you're liked, but you're not sure. Or the the difference between that kind of like mo versus like somebody who's just like, listen, I was born and raised here. I know everybody. Like, if anything, I'm bored of school. Did do, do you did you have a sense that you were different in that way too? You know, you you knew you were different because you were you had a different name and you would, you know, you moved around so much when you were younger. When you finally settled into high school, did you feel like why are some of these people so not concerned about this? Yeah, I, 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 I did. And I still do, you know, um, I think this, this need to be the popular girl still drives me in what I do today. You know, I teach and I speak and I work with writers and there's this kind of like that, please like me thing actually kind of motivates you to be helpful and, 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 you know, be aware of other people. So that's a good thing. But the bad thing was, yeah, I think it creates uh, an insecure adult. In like in my 20s, I remember not f- feeling completely sure. And um, and I, I wish I had. I wish it, I had been a little bit stronger and less like concerned about other people. And, and man, I, I don't know what I'd be if that was the case. You know, it, it took me, you know, getting into my thirties to sort of go, all right, this is boring. You know, right. this, this insecurity thing, this lack of confidence, this need to apologize to everybody, uh, is boring and, yeah. uh, and just sort of woman up and get over it. Yeah. I think, and then and that's probably something that comes, that's true for more people than we even realize. Mm-hmm. You know, we all sort of do, I think, especially in those ages, live in a little bit of bubbles where that's what I like about the podcast too, is kind of finding out how many of us were like, I did not feel like I fit in or whatever. But um, yeah, I was listening to, uh, there was just an old This American Life episode. I think it's actually called the apology episode. (laughs) Um, And as usual, you know, the the different stories uh, blend together in a really nice way where you don't know, you think you kind of know what they're all going to be about because of the name of the show. And then, Somehow they come at it from totally different angles. But Sarah Vowell, they just have like a brief snippet of Sarah Vowell talking about how she was um, late to a lunch or late to a breakfast or something to meet a friend. And she was so horrified at herself that she spent like the first, you know, she was 15 minutes late. And then the next 20 minutes were her just like continuously apologizing to him. She just couldn't. She felt like such a jerk, you know, for being late. And then she like at, right after the breakfast, then she apologized to him again. And then like right before she went to bed, she like sent another email that was just like, again, I just want you to know, I'm so sorry about it. And she said she finally was able, like that moment was this moment. I mean, I'm paraphrasing poorly, but there was this moment of like, oh my God, it is so narcissistic of me 
to think that I need to apologize this much. Like, why am I like, this is not important to this person. He's fine. He's over it. Like he accepted my first apology. I didn't accept my first apology or my second or third or fourth. But that sort of like, what kind of, what kind of childhood or what kind of world do, are, are we as children brought up in, in, in those of us who have that? Cause I feel like I have that too, which is this kind of like, if you, if, if you're alone enough or what is it about us that makes us feel like, you know, narcissistic in a bad way? Like mm-hmm. I don't ever feel like I'm the king of the <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just as damaging, if not more so, to be like, this has definitely got to be my fault. Or like, this person probably is really mad at me over this thing. That's a and really good out, like, point. You know what? Their lives are busy. You said that you didn't, you were sorry. And they accepted that and moved on with their lives because you weren't the center of their universe. That is a really good point. I, I, I think, you know, I find now that I'm in my 40s um, that when I meet re-meet people and that's sort of what happens in your 40s is like in your 20s you go through all these dramas with them you kind of let them go in your 30s because you're going to be like a real responsible person but I've been finding I've been sort of like grabbing people back in my 40s or we've been sort of coming back together again and the first thing I always do is apologize Mm -hmm. and I think you're absolutely right because most of the time they're like what (laughs) <laughs> like here I've been thinking yeah no you've been mad at me for so long right because I did that thing and I said that thing and they're like no I don't I didn't really think about you <laughs> you're not you have not been that incident has not been you. seared in my right. You horribly. right I think you're absolutely right I think it is a little bit narcissistic to go around thinking that you had this huge effect on people all the yeah. time yeah and i don't i don't we don't i don't think we mean it to be that way but you're but there's some fear in there that you know it is like this blanket apology thing it's like if i just cover my bases in case anyone is hurt and i and and i don't know it i'll have covered my bases so that person can't be upset with me Absolutely. instead of waiting for that person to say like no this this was a real problem for me and i should have said something to you like that's where a real apology should take place is yeah. if someone's like i was really hurt by that and yeah. i could have just said something to you and we could have talked about it but instead i carried it with me you know that said i would like to apologize for the uh, the fiasco with the party <laughs> <laughs> what an amazing segue <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe that we've managed we've managed to be like let me just go you know what Pilar and I are going to stop apologizing we're just going to stop apologizing for everything let me just squeak but before we do I need to apologize because I would like to publicly apologize on the air because so so Pat had like a major birthday party he posts all these pictures Janet's like uh hello birthday party and then this is what happened to both of us we're like Oh my God. It was one of those moments where you want to reverse time. Like you want to do Superman and like fly around the world. <laughs> and we're like, what? Yeah. and of course he threw me under the bus. Me. He's like, well, my, my wife did the list. And I'm like, but you checked the list. We, we, we both totally. Oh my God. So I'm sorry. I, in no way was I, I mean, of course I would have loved to have been there. What happened to him was, um, I saw, I was at something else that <laughs> night and I saw, someone who was going to head over there so it was like uh, wherever I was now I'm annoyed that I can't remember but wherever I was they were like yeah I can't stay because I have to go to Pat Francis's birthday I was like oh what he was like oh yeah and and, which which if like first of all not a big deal like a small a small party I would never expect to be invited but uh, so I was like oh 
Pat Francis? He was like, yeah, 50th birthday. Kind of a big deal. Like, everybody's going. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to need to email this Pat immediately. Just, like, oh I need to email God. him right now because, because I'm laughing so hard. Because this, I can't, I, for the life of me, I can't even remember who it was. But whoever it was literally made it sound like, I mean, people Pat doesn't even know that well. <laughs> like, it just sounded... <laughs> Could not have sounded more like there was like a guy on the street and people was like, you want to come? Um, and so I was like, I, this is a really good opportunity for me to make Pat feel bad. So I'm going to go ahead and email him right now. Well, um, on, on behalf of both oh, of us. Oh, it was a Jay Martell's book reading. Oh, that's what it was. And the person who was going to the birthday party was like. Nina? Jan? Jan? Oh, Christy Stratton was oh, there. Oh, right. And Gary Mann was at the book party. This is not interesting to anyone. <laughs> But anyway, so he, you guys know Christy like, and Gary, right? And he said, he said, oh, she couldn't come because she's at Pat Francis' big, huge 50th birthday party. I'm probably going to go over there after this. And I was like, oh, oh I'm so, again, uh, I am so sorry. It's so more than okay. I can't tell you how many times for me, it's always like the three people I, and, and I'm not one of these people. I do not make the list of the three people that you absolutely should have invited and didn't. I know that I don't, but I understand in the sense that like, I will somehow forget to invite, like I will be the person who forgets to thank my father at an awards. You know oh. what I'm saying? Like I will be the person who everyone will be like, did you notice she didn't thank her husband? Whisper, whisper, whisper. <laughs> That's a psychological thing. And it's, you know what I mean? And it's not, it's like, well, that person lives in your heart all the time. So you just forget to say, she's like, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Of course. And but like, in no way was I, but yeah, 10 years ago, I might've been like, I guess Pat and Bieler don't really like me that much. I probably did something that I've, like, I might've actually, so it's nice to be freed from that. It is, it nice is. to be freed from that. Now here's what I want to circle back on too, with the sort of people pleasing and the being in a new place and being used to moving. Uh, if you don't mind me getting a little more personal on the relationship side, ooh, ooh. how does that work with um, boys when you're in high school wanting to be liked and, and, you know, how do you fit in and being a little different and how do you, you know, you know, it's a, it's a, for me, it's a fairly loaded subject because I think, well, <laughs> once I discovered eyeliner, like everything changed. Okay. So like, like I was, you know, dorky and this and that. And then Liz Auburn, when I was 13 years old, put eyeliner on me. And and back in those days, you took this back in those days. You took this uh this um you had to scrape coal. Oh, yeah, so it was it was sort of like this. The there fire. were these pencils, right? And you would light them. Okay, now this was our trick, right? Oh my you, god, I really was kidding. You would know you would thing. light. You would take these 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 uh, eyeliner pencils and you would light them with a lighter, so they were molten, and then you would put them in the inside of your lid okay uh, your bottom lid and I, I put it on and in truth I looked ridiculous but I looked in the mirror and I was like god I am so foxy oh my god and in that moment I was like what have I been doing with my life I could be wearing makeup and so I started like totally like whoring it up in terms of how I looked way too early and you know boys responded and I what I deeply regret is taking all that that oh please like me and you know thinking that if you know a boy wanted to make out with you that meant that you were liked so you know I'm uh, I I think I was trying things and in in order just to be liked rather than because I was ready and I'm keeping such a, a big eye on my on my girls without being 
you know, I, I'm trying not to hover, but I'm also really keeping an eye on them. Um, they don't seem to have that need to to be liked so much that they would do stupid things. But Which yeah, is, it sounds like it was born so much out of you know that whole like more nurture versus nature, like that that you you moved around and you this and you that and you you know the attention that was paid on you and that kind of stuff. It sounds like you've done a great job leading up to this point of being a very different parent and all of that stuff sets them up for a totally different experience yeah. with the opposite I, side. I hope so. I hope Assuming so. Assuming they're even both straight. Listen, yeah. <laughs> I guess you probably know by now, but maybe I, you don't. I don't, I know. don't know. I mean, like I have sort of a, well, well I, have a, I have a sense of it. Um, Rita, the nine-year-old, is a little boy crazy. So I'm like, oh no, I'm going <laughs> to keep an eye on her. That's the one are I got to keep an eye on. really different from one another? They are. They yeah. are, which is great. You know, uh, sometimes when you, you have a, a second, you're like, oh, well, they compete with each other. Um, no, they're really different people. And, and, and there's a good span of time between them, yeah, too. It's not like they're a year apart or four something. Four years difference. And that's, that's always good, too. I recommend that to people because, like, uh, I think it was Samuel Jackson who said, like, you have a second one when the first one can get themselves a sandwich and wipe their own ass, basically. So, sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> what about if your husband, Pat Francis, can't get himself a sandwich in Arizona? Well, as you know, <laughs> as I love you that know, I feel obliged to take over the Jimmy Pardo role I... in a podcast where we're just talking about Pat. Oh, Pat. I adore your Pat. husband. You he, know, I do. He's a sweetie. He's a sweetie. He's so great. He was probably a reaction to, like, you know, having been so lost in my world with like, oh, you know, boys. And then like in the, tw- in my twenties, like, oh, alcoholic actors and pothead musicians and all like these like crazy dudes um, that were interesting, <laughs> but not good for me. And then I meet this nice clean cut boy from Pennsylvania. And I know everybody thinks of Pat Francis as like, he's just like this crazy guy, but that's in it really what he is is a nice clean cut boy from Pennsylvania and who was clearly a family person who was born to be a father. And I, it, it kind of like just calmed me down and he's the guy I ended up marrying. And, uh, and, and it was a, it was a big difference from, from what I thought I, I was going to, to do yeah. uh, in relationships. And I'm really glad I, I made that choice. Oh my God, you just reminded me, I can't believe what an old lady I sound like now, but first of all, I don't know if I brought this up, but I had the opportunity to see Paul uh, Simon and Sting perform together <laughs> with my dad. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast before because only, I've only done maybe one since then, but um, he came into town and uh, and so that we could go to the show together because like my dad had great taste in music growing up and like he's all he listened to was like the police and staying and talking heads and Peter Gabriel and like he just had great I mean I'm sure to those of you who are like in your teens and 20s listen to the podcast you're like okay so a bunch of old people's music <laughs> but like if you like Vampire Weekend honey you best listen to Grace Life by Paul Simon because that is 100% derivative they might as well be the same album um, and uh, and and it was so great. Anyway, he didn't play the song, but there's this song that I love so much uh, called Something Something So Right by Paul Simon. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's just the whole, like the whole chorus is like, when something goes wrong, I'm the first to admit it. I'm the first to admit it, but the last to know. When something goes right, it's likely to lose me. It's apt to confuse me because it's such an unusual sight. But there's this line in it that says uh, something about it took a little time, but you calmed me down. That's just what it reminded me of when you were like, oh, that feeling of when you meet the person who 
grounds you and you sort of go, oh, okay, so it doesn't need to be messes and drama all the time. My heart can stop racing. And like, I think that's something that it takes a long time. Some people never learn or for some people, maybe they need that sort of tempestuous mercurial relationship and there are these you know great marriages with parents uh grandparents and grandparents you see who just fight all the time but like somehow that works for them because that's what they're used to but for me it kind of sounds like it's more what you experienced which is like you get to you get into this bad pattern of like equating like the highs and lows with love quote unquote and that's very adolescent of us i think Mm -hmm. and then you sort of figure out that like, oh, I don't have to, it doesn't have to feel like my heart's shattering if I don't get a phone call. Like maybe that's not. I think, the, I think you just nailed it. I really do. I, I think you're right. It, it doesn't. Yes. The heart shattering thing. And, uh, and, and there's something really nice about just feeling at home with somebody and creating a home with somebody. So, uh, like I said, that wasn't really my growing up. So uh, I've also been very curious about all that as, as I was, as I've been doing it, like, Oh, that's what this feels like. All right. Look, look at everybody, you know, getting their book bag and going off to school and <laughs> like you get to, like, watching the TV show yeah, of your life. Yeah. There is a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. Did your parents ever like when they split up, how present were they ever with you in sort of acknowledging, like, I guess I wasn't really, around like did that those, my those mom i have to say happened? has been a really it, it's like i said she was growing up in front of me a lot and you know when she became fully grown up um she really made huge efforts to just stay connected with me any way that i chose to be connected um and she was very patient with some acting out on my part because i was a little bit angry and now i would say that you know we're very 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 close and very good friends even though we both still drive each other crazy yeah um yeah um my dad not as much (laughs) but uh but yeah she's she's uh you know parenting I think it, it, it goes through all kinds of stages itself because every 10 years we're somebody else, right? So I would imagine every 10 years we're also a different kind of parent. It takes growing up to realize that your parents are still changing as parents. Absolutely. But, but I, th- I think my, my mom has, and I want to give her credit for that. Yeah. Did, um, <clears throat> when your parents split up, how old were you in college? Or I, high was, I was 14. And uh, I can't say it was a huge surprise. My father had been commuting for years and I would go, uh, I would go like if I went to school with him, like if he was teaching a class or whatever, there'd always be like some really pretty college girl who'd be like, hi, I'm taking care of you. You know, like Michael asked me to, like, uh, oh no. So, <laughs> you know, he was, you know, one thing oh, about, no. about my, my dad's like the Don Draper of old dudes. Like he can just get, any girl in the room, like no matter how old he is, it's, he's, he's got quite the superpower that he's way. Yeah. So it wasn't like a huge um, surprise by that point. And I was so like into my eyeliner and my plays and my boyfriends at the time by that point anyway, that I pretended not to care. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, so, okay. So you love doing theater. You love wearing eyeliner. What music were you listening to? Well, it was, it was all theater. 
like I would, whatever show I was up for, I would just religiously listen to every nuance of that score until the point, to the point where I could actually imitate it. So that's how I would sort of land every lead. And I was also going out into I, one thing about having parents that weren't like paying that much attention was, yeah, you can do whatever you want as long as you could get there on your own, right? So I would go into Boston every once in a while and audition for grown-up stuff. So uh, like I remember doing a show in Boston at 16 uh, about singles bars. <laughs> Perfect. And I was on a bar Perfect. stool singing a song called Easy Come, Easy Go. Oh, <laughs> no. I know. I know. And did anyone from your family come and see that? Uh, my mother. And she was really, really, really proud, actually. Yeah. You know, but again, it didn't like occur to her that like, yeah, maybe just a tad <laughs> inappropriate, maybe unsafe. I don't know. You know, the tea at night. Uh, whatever. Wow. Um, but yeah, I. so that's what I listened to. And so... All that, all that music from that era, uh, you know, I'd hear it at dances or whatever. Pat is so, oh, like, he's such cataloging all of that. I know he's such that an '80s thing, rock yeah. freak, and sometimes I'm like, oh, could you turn that off? It sounds like high school, please, you know. <laughs> but, but no, I, didn't. I have no emotional attachment <laughs> to that whatsoever. Now put on Les Mis. <laughs> I did like me a good uh, power, a good female power ballad every once in a while. Okay. You know, like Total Eclipse of the Heart or, sure. you know, I was a huge fame fan. I wore t- ripped t-shirts. I sang What a Feeling, you know, like okay. anything yeah, fame, with that so fame kind of. predates Flashdance. Yeah. Oh, Flashdance oh, was flash around dance. the same time too. Um, yeah. I saw, obviously I was, I, I don't want to say obviously, obviously I was too young for, but I saw, I when HBO started airing Flashdance, um, my dad recorded it. He had like an enormous amount of video cassettes that all had like, you know, four movies a piece on it. And, um, and I'm not sure if he, I feel like I can't remember if he really wanted me to watch it, but I definitely watched it because there's some sexy material in it. Mm-hmm. And I was still really young even when it aired. Um, but like, I'm glad that I even got a slight taste of like the sensation <laughs> of flash dance. Because for me, dirty dancing was like, I think I was in like junior high. Mm-hmm. I might have been in grade school. But even still, like I, the, the sensation of dirty dancing and I think La Bamba also. I feel like those were the two like, oh my God, this is what movies are about, you guys. Like, <laughs> They're so good, and like knowing the soundtrack backwards and forwards, and for and though and those movies were like those songs were all old songs too, like Dirty Dancing, except for like She's Like the Wind or like yeah. I Had the Time of My Life. Everything else was like songs from the fifties. Oh, that's true. And so yeah, so it was interesting to kind of like be acquainted with those old songs now, the way I think like. You know, somebody will see a movie that takes place in the 80s, like a 16 year old now will see a movie that takes place in the 80s and be like, oh, I discovered all this retro music. Yeah, yeah right. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I'm like, um, The Big Chill was a big, I, I loved that movie. <laughs> it took me a long time to see that movie. Even uh, I love Lawrence. Kasdan. I loved it. And I was in high school when it came out. I don't know why I loved this movie about like older people at a reunion or whatever, but I just really loved it. And uh, that introduced me to Motown music because it was a whole Motown soundtrack. Oh my God. That soundtrack is like every single biggest hit Motown song you've ever heard. Like if you haven't ever seen the movie and you see it for the first time, which is sort of what happened to me, or maybe I hadn't seen it in a really long time. 
and it came on it started to feel like it was an advertisement for like motown gold like <laughs> because every single montage and there's so many montages in that movie too so many great like making food together right. dancing around to motown music <laughs> there's even like movie. a sex montage in there i I'm think sh- yeah I, oh absolutely a, you you made me make me feel like a natural oh woman God, i think that's so right <laughs> everything seems so literal <laughs> Lighter shade of pale than that. <laughs> Heard her through the grapevine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. It is like a it's like a long series of music videos. But I can see why you would, that would appeal to you too, because I feel like when I saw it, there was this sense of like getting a peek inside, like cool grown up. Mm-hmm. Like they all know something I don't. There's something kind of like very knowing about that movie and the, yeah, the and way they deal with the death of their friend and stuff. There's something kind of like I'm seeing grown up stuff right now. Right. I like it. Right. I think you're right. And all the just personalities and relationships and all this stuff. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, wow, that's so great. Like if my best friend like ever wants a baby, I'll let her have sex with my husband too. Now I'm, you know, I'm thinking that's a little crazy. Like I don't think people, I, that's that's that was uh, a big deal yeah mm-hmm. that was a really big deal. doesn't make any sense at all nobody would and, do that <laughs> <laughs> that's why it rocked so many people's world um i know right god okay but uh so and then speaking of the idea of the sort of best friendships and stuff how did what were your girl friendships like when you were in high school did you have like very close girlfriends was there tension huh you know it's funny i think as a theater person you know, I, one thing about theater that always appealed to me, I think was as I did it, even in my twenties, summer stock, regional theater, whatever, you make these intense friendships and then you let them go and you move on to the next thing. And I was so used to that. Um, so I have to say, I, you know, I, I value my, my friends now that I've known since my early twenties, um, I try and hold on to them because longevity is something I wasn't used to. So in high school, no, I didn't really know how to keep a friend. I knew how to make them, but I was always so used to just going away. I didn't really know how to maintain a friendship. So uh, sadly, I have to say, I don't think I have uh, a, a friend left from high school except one who became more of a friend after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was something I, I learned later on, like, oh, you gotta, you gotta keep working at that. <laughs> yeah. You have to like check in with people and ask how they're doing and, you know, drive them to the airport. <laughs> it totally makes sense though. I mean, yeah, spending so much time moving around and, and being forced not to form those like deep sustaining bonds because as a child, like, there's there should be zero expectation that you're gonna like keep in touch with somebody from three cities ago Mm -hmm. you know and uh and yeah so when you get to a point where you're and then you have the kind of relationship that you do with your parents i can totally see how it wouldn't be like it's not like an intentional sort of like "Eh, whatever that it just that's what you know right it's like oh yeah yeah. Maybe the, now this person's my friend. Now this person isn't my friend. I guess that's just how it goes. You just learn. Uh, man, you learn so much as an adult. You just keep learning, you know, and, and I, I always thought you, you became a grown up and then you knew everything. And then I realized when I was a grown up, I was like, oh, and I still don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then, you know, I'm in my 30s. Oh, okay. I think I know something. No, no, I still need to know more. And it just keeps going on. And you just keep trying to get it right. Yeah. I think that's why old people can be like so crabby and arrogant sometimes because they're like, man, 
I learned, okay? I finally got it right. You should listen to me. Yeah. I might know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I know. I wonder if I'll be like super cantankerous and preachy. I plan on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think by that time I'll you be owed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've earned your stripes. <laughs> Did you keep uh, diaries or anything when you were little? Did you like or when you were a teen? Lana Barbuda read my diary in sixth grade. Oh, no, and then she no, no. then I kept going with it and then she read it again in seventh grade. And then in eighth grade she stole it and she gave she, she gave some pages to people. Not have let her Yeah, I she was Did you that, take it to school with you or she uh, at your house? She just was at my house. So like yeah, again, like you know, girlfriend relationships, man. Um so no, I never I never um kept well, a diary of after that not. lesson learned Harry at the spy <laughs> that's crazy yeah oh my god there you I go lana that would not have gone well for me there i, I outed you there you are i'm still mad about that <laughs> yeah lana that's I, listen i gotta get her on the podcast <laughs> i'm very curious what drives a person to feel like she needs to air that out to everyone like what was in your diary in her defense as an adult she apologized to me but i'm still resentful <laughs> Now we know that we have to keep apologizing for stuff because you personally okay, still resent that, her even post-apology. I'm sorry. That one might be unforgivable. That's hard. <laughs> I still have a little bit of animosity and he's a terrific guy and an architect and like, I mean, no, I'm sorry. He's an anthropologist. Not even close. Uh, they both start with A. Um, uh, but, but, but Chip Caldwell put ants down my pants when I was in first grade and <gasps> I was so, first of all, there were like red fire ants from the sandbox. What? They really hurt. They stung my butt. Yeah, yeah. And I remember so visceral, like such a visceral memory of exactly what it felt like and like going to the nurse's office and they give you like the Dixie cup popsicle stick ice that you have to rub on your butt because it's covered in ant bites. And then also just like, why? Like the people pleaser that's like, but what did I like? Right. You, you I must feel like. Right. A horrible piece of shit. Yeah. For him to put ants in my pants. <laughs> and that really scarred me. Chip. Chip, I'm still kind of upset about it. I am too. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm upset sorry, for you. No, I'm, I'm I'm apologizing for still being upset about it. <laughs> Don't Ay-yay-yay. apologize. Yay. Let's get Ay-yay-yay. Chip here. Let's get into some mash. Let's get into some, let's, let's get it into the mash at all. Um, okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to start with... Um, uh, a, a Pilar uh, customized column, which is going to be um, you are you have written a musical about something that's you've, you've there's a new musical okay that's a big smash hit okay um and and three things three different musicals it's gonna end up being one <laughs> three different three different possible musicals that pilar has three written. different possible musicals um one would be called trader joe's Great. the musical <laughs> um the other one would be airport the musical or the airport great because i don't want to you know airport was a great movie great <laughs> Right. Um, and I think the other one would be, uh, um, how do I make a classroom sexy? Cause that's really where I spent a lot of my time, sure, sure. you know, uh, uh, classroom hijinks, right. the musical <laughs> classroom hijinks. I gotta be honest with you. I'm really curious about the Trader Joe's musical. <laughs> now, is it? 
focus more on the employees? Is it like a day in the life of Trader Joe's? Is it the customers who come there? Do, does everything take place inside the Trader Joe's? And I then like the to think numbers? that there's uh, an ordinary woman who goes in there and suddenly there's a huge musical number where all the cute Trader Joe's boys are carrying the ordinary woman on their shoulders and singing to her um, while uh, sort of uh, giving her many, many tasters. <laughs> So I, yeah, that's, that's Trader Joe's the musical. This is, uh, this is actually, that's very easy for me to picture. I have a real weakness for Trader Joe's boys. I really do. I really, I, I'm the, sorry. The, I know I'm married. Like indie, indie rock boys. I, I, I love right? them. They're young and they're pretty and they give me food and they ask me how my day is. And, Which Trader Joe's do you go to? Uh, the one in Woodland Hills right now, but really I'll, I'll take any of them. I'll they're they're all them. just filled with, I love the Trader Joe's this boys. Wonderful. Sorry, Pat. We need to get you like a Trader Joe's calendar. <laughs> I love April so much. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Okay. I couldn't have been more delighted by the outcome of that call. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to dish uh, three, uh, three vacation places, places where you have a, you and Pat and the kids have a vacation. Home. Do I have to take Pat and, and the kids? Do I have to? No. You okay. You have to. Awesome. This is your match game. You do whatever you want. Awesome. Like three places this I could go? Disappear. This is your freeze time and disappear alone to this place. And yet it's not like you're abandoning your children or anything because time is paused for them. So at any moment, you pause time and just take Pilar time to yourself. Uh, Santa Domingo. I left my virginity there. I would like to get it back. Right? Uh, Santa Domingo. Uh, definitely. Um Let's see where else. Oh gosh, it would probably be three like really warm places. I like to be warm. Um, I know Pilar had to go get her sweater because my house is <laughs> terrible. Oh, boy. oh gosh, where else? Because I love I love traveling. Um, I've never been to Greece, and I'm Greek. Oh, there you go. I'd like to go there. I'm sure they would like for you to go there right sure. now. Sure, them a little money. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, and a third place. Um, this sounds crazy, but I would like to go back to Washington, D.C. I know it's cold, but when when my dad lived there for a little bit, I remember like walking around Georgetown and I'd like to go back and and check it out. Let's, we'll pause time. You can make that happen whenever you want. (laughs) You lucky dame. You lucky, lucky dame. Okay. Three shows this oh you know what this is gonna this is uh, a new category that um one of my uh facebook fans suggested and um i'm excited to bring it to the table you may hate this category so oh. i apologize in advance i'll come apologizing in advance um three shows that never got canceled that go on forever that are like just great three great shows like tv shows that how you, dare you ask me that question apologize immediately <laughs> Um, Again, I did apologize in advance. I, I so think I, I have covered. to go with current TV because I have okay. become a huge TV fan. So like, yeah. th- of, of course, Breaking Bad. Great. I wish that it would keep Breaking Bad forever and ever. Absolutely. And, you know, that we'd find out that, that everybody's alive and that they have moved on to an even more powerful drug. I mean, I know that sounds terrible. No, it's not a wasted wish at all. That's <laughs> a great. We all thank you for, for wishing the for And it could be. It could be that it never, ever goes off the air. Um. Oh, you know what, though? I will go back in time a little bit. I loved Friends. Don't don't hate me for that. I loved Friends. Um, I could have just seen those people keep having their relationships yeah, and they keep got it their right. babies and all this stuff. You know, um, so I'll go with that. And, uh, and then uh, 
I hope, well, there are current shows, you, something that yeah, went off the okay air. Too. No, you can say a show that you would never want to see the end of because you're excited about it now. I, um, uh, I think, well, there's just so many. I'm currently like so intrigued by Nurse Jackie. I like that show a lot too. I, yeah, and I just, I, I'm interested in, in, in where that goes and wouldn't mind that just going on and on and on and on yeah shout out to someone who has no idea i exist but is a major fantasy podcast guest is merit weaver i love merit weaver she plays the um assistant nurse oh my god she's so good i'm such a fan of hers I just am dying to have her on the podcast. Aren't you so she's glad? in New York and I don't know her and I just, I got to make it happen. And, and I remember we watched her like the first season. We're like, God, she should be up for an Emmy. And then, oh, then she God, got one. She's so good. There's justice. Yeah. Oh, she's so good. Um, have you watched uh, that Laurie Metcalf's new show? No. Was it Getting On? I think no. Is it good? I haven't watched it because um, I'm a little scared that I'm going to cry a lot. Oh. I know it's a comedy, but there's a lot of like kind of a Alzheimer's-y material and oh. that's just like something that is very close to me and something that's very hard for me to laugh about still even though I know that it's healing mm-hmm. um but uh I'm so, I also love Laurie Metcalf so much she's good um those are these are three three great choices three great choices let's do um three uh fictional best friends that are uh so so characters out of not reality that come to life and are like your bff um lisa simpson great uh peggy hill from uh king of the hill great i love that these are animated they're, characters. they're like my they're Why like not? they're i would say they're like the two sides of me you know like great. there's a lisa simpson and peggy hill and they've they've informed my life um and then uh and then the third fictional character um, that I would like hang out with mm-hmm. that I'd hang out Your buddy. with my buddy. Huh? <sighs> because you know, I, I read a lot and they were always like these broken, like dark women, like Jane Eyre and stuff like right, that. Right. So I'm trying to think of who I'd hang out with. Can I pick anybody who's then I can't pick anybody who's real. <laughs> who's real. I'm opening it up. I'm totally fine with I'm that. Sorry, I keep clunking my huge teeth with the microphone. It's just really awful. Um, uh, you know, because it, it's oh I don't I it it's so funny I would I thought that I would just like I knew those two I know listen this is a very it's a very interesting improv exercise and I just said this to my last guest which is like it's it's so ephemeral it's like in this moment you wanted it to be Jane Eyre but you don't really want it to be Jane oh, Eyre but like that's what came up for you I ever. know who I know who so on House of Cards yes Robin Wright's character oh my god I want to hang out with Robin Wright's oh character that woman is. Uh, ambitious and ruthless and I know I shouldn't like her but I think she I, I think she could just teach lessons <laughs> I agree with you and I and, and it's a, such a testament to her performance too because that is like talk about the most I mean I'm sure it's been said but like the most interesting couple on television you know I mean sh- like that is just I'm just so into it. I'm so into their dynamic and her and um, I had that moment where like probably everyone has already figured this out but me. But I during the second season, all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, this is like Macbeth. Okay, this is Macbeth. All right. Got it. 
got it got it i'm slow sure got it like i'm sure everyone has already said that no, and i, I would say read, i never I read up only on a, anything, a small percentage has gotten but that. i definitely was like oh okay this is brilliant i don't think pat france has pat francis has gotten this like if i said now. hey pat what's shakespearean play does this resemble <laughs> he'd be like i don't know he'd it's be like taming of the shrew houses of the holy that's, a, that's an album that's an album pat that's an album <laughs> Um, okay, these are great. So Robin Wright Penn, thank you for reminding me of how passionately I adore her. Um, okay, let's go. Uh, let's go three magical fictional uh, pets. Uh, Could be anything. Could uh, be anything. So like if, you're not, if you don't care. Yeah, yeah. Could be car- a cartoon animal. Could be a talking animal. Could be... Oh, this animals. is you making some peace with animals you, right now. This would be because I'm not really an animal I person. Know. I feel badly about that. I I'm know, a, this I'm is my really weird a kid person. Uh, animals, animals. Um, I think Bugs Bunny and I could hang out. There He's um, he reminds me of Pat. There you go. He's a lot like Pat. Oh my god, I married <laughs> Bugs Bunny. Oh my god. Oh Listen, my these god. These are the kinds of psychological aha moments that I. <sighs> four on the podcast never be the same oh um uh he more, really is a lot like bugs bunny he really is he really is amazing morris the cat i don't know if anybody sure. remembers morris the cat sure. but morris the cat was like totally bitchy um really independent he was just like sort of like get get out of here give me my cat food and yeah. i if possible i, I like morris that. would take care of himself entirely and yeah. never and, and never engage with a human right right That's a so good pet for you. so i right. like i like morris these definitely. are good see Listen, yeah this is cracking something open this for you is this good. is great okay it, like i said it can be like bugs money it's just because he's an animal doesn't mean that like you're caring for him and petting him all the time right Right. And like th- you have to with Pat. Right. Right. I, we're burying him. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and the horse from Black Beauty, because mm. I secretly always wanted to be one of those horsey girls, mm-hmm. you know, that would like, come on, beauty, let's go, you oh, know? know. And then like you put on like the, the cute hat and the pants and then you just like get onto your horse and you'd like fly like the wind. You'd ride, you'd ride, you'd ride across the hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not. Yes, I know that person and I. Certainly, yeah. I think I might be confusing it with National Velvet, but what you know the, <laughs> that that horse, that Black horse Beauty, from sure. all those, I yeah, uh-huh. sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now this horse will live with you and sleep in your bed. So just FYI, oh, all right. No, I'm totally but kidding. that's okay because we'll we'll fly, we'll ride, ride, the wind. Black Beauty, ride. <laughs> okay, great. Um, three. Uh, let me see. Three. I can't ever. I can't ever resist it. Three foods. Uh, that you have immediate snap your finger access to whenever you want. Um, could be something that you don't eat very often because you shouldn't. Could be something that you... I've got it, man. I've got it, man. You don't you even have to know. keep keep going. Right. Here we go. Ready? Uh, goat cheese, right. sun-dried tomatoes, and olive bread. Preferably oh. all together. Yeah, this no would be the Greek in me for sure. Uh, <laughs> olive bread. Done and done. <laughs> I was someplace yesterday and they had uh, like... It was like... Blood orange and olive cupcake or something. Olive oil cupcake. Was that good? I didn't, I, cu- I couldn't get it, but because I'm allergic to wound. But, um, but I, I was like, oh, that sounds like it's right at my alley. That sort of savory, mm. moist bread, not too sugary because my sugar in- ability intake has gone down so much oh. as I've gotten older. Like I don't crave sugar as well, much anymore. Well, that's why you look so good oh <laughs> it's God. ridiculous it's mouth. ridiculous like okay here i am on a saturday morning and 
at 9.30 in the morning when most people would be like, you know, maybe looking a little worse for wear. I had to put on a pound of paint just to kind of look woken up. Yeah. Janet, it's, it's, it, in real life, it's, it's even better. Like she's just, You're she looks like a mermaid. Right you look like a mermaid. <laughs> like, I should, ah, it's ridiculous. Uh, not true. Um, and, uh, again, the only reason that I, I sound hungover and it's from eating, uh, eating too much pizza last night while I watched Colonial House. And I think I'm having like a cheese reaction. So <laughs> it's not, there's nothing sexy going that's on. That's what I wish nothing for you, mermaid-y. but I don't think that's Nothing mermaid going on. Okay. Uh, next category is, um, okay. Uh, we're going to go with three places that you get to take a class that you think like would really inspire them it almost like i dream a genie style like you've got your class you blink blink of an eye you're at blank and this is what you think they would get out of it. ah that's interesting anywhere in the world wow um anywhere in the world i'm really lucky i get to teach in, in places all, all over the world oh well then which I'm is so awesome um uh like I just got back from Australia and I really teach in I'm, what class I'm going, were you teaching in Australia? I was teaching screenwriting. I was God teaching damn it. in Sydney and Melbourne and I am going to London and Dublin and uh, listen, this is London. the worst. This is the best category <laughs> in the sense that I just informed all the listeners that I don't know anything about Pilar traveling. But and I, I'm a shout major shout out to her classes. <laughs> Take her screenwriting class if you're in LA or Melbourne or any one of these other places. But I but I, I haven't done like a tropical class yet. So okay. I would love to do like something like a like a retreat on a, t- a tropical okay. island that then we'll do great. that we'll do three dream places you haven't taught yeah yet. so so yes um you know someplace in the caribbean or mexico okay um i'm putting let's um, go for mexico because we already like reclaimed the virginity in santa domingo and that's great. Like more caribbean great um uh italy yes indeed <gasps> oh and spain spain i would love barcelona i would love love to teach there barcelona barcelona, barcelona. don't i can't no can't. no you can't bad i really can't i can't actually Bar- i just got back from barcelona barcelona but i mean but like that is how if that's how they pronounce it i don't know i'm just making that up but it's, they do it's but offensive like, right <laughs> but it's not but like i think that I struggle with that all the time because the people tease me when I try to pronounce them. But my both my parents are of the mind of like if 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 you've been the, if you've just been there or if you're going there and you want to like pronounce it the way people pronounce it. But then it is also obnoxious. I, I have know. no I know idea. It's obnoxious. I've, honestly, I just like when I went to like we say Melbourne and everyone's like, no, it's Melbourne. Yeah, do not say Melbourne. I know you do not pronounce that R. I get more American when I travel. It's weird, and I realize that when I teach in places. They want the American, so it's okay. It's all right. So my R's get harder, and I say wicked more, and I say awesome, and you know, (laughs) they just think I'm a... I know, it's so sweet. When I was in New Zealand, they were like, we love your accent. And I was like, what? (laughs) I need to move here. I hate our accent. (laughs) Oh, it's the best. Okay, that's great. Okay, final category. Listen, I all, all, all... All due respect to Pat Francis. Okay. All due respect to Pat Francis. This would not be a mash game. I've skipped this on a few people. I'm certainly not skipping it with you. No. Uh, three fictitious husbands or lovers, uh, preferably famous, could be like a character from a book, but could also just be like, you know, who? Keanu Reeves, I almost said. Where? What What decade am I trapped in? Okay. Um, so I'm going to stay your, with this decade, probably. Gosling, whatever, yeah. Probably. Uh, okay, look, 
look, I'm, I'm only human. I know it's a cliche. Don Draper. There you go. Don Draper. Get, get that bad boy in there. That's right. Just get that bad boy um, in there. Also, uh, uh, what was his, I don't know his fictitious name, but um, the character on The Killing, who was, hey, you know, it's like, talk like this. <laughs> it's like, hey. <laughs> I can't even. Hold on. He would talk. No, just hold on. <laughs> the main guy? Yeah, the, the guy in The Killing, who was her partner. Yeah. Who plays Robocop who's now. Who's actually Swedish. What yeah, that dude, and the oh, way he would, he's like, terrific. he's hot. I, that that guy, The Killing dude. His name? I don't know. I it's don't. like a great Swedish name, Norwegian <laughs> name. I'm not sure. Him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Possibly a, a Skarsgård or a Sarsgård. Yeah, something like that. Okay, yeah. so Killing Guy. Killing dude. I, yeah. I, guys, I apologize. I know that all of you who know his name, there's yeah. nothing worse than listening to a podcast where you feel like you should be able to bust in and go, guys, I know this. I apologize. <laughs> Especially because I'm going to clearly leave Pat for, for him. So yeah. You should know his name. Yeah. 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 Um, and then another uh, fictitious uh, guy because I've always really loved newscasters and uh, talk show hosts, but they're oh. not, they're not fictitious. Like that's okay. Like Peter Jennings, God rest sure, his soul. Sure. So hot. Peter Jennings. You love that Canadian. I, I do. I never realized how Canadian he sounded until I listened to the, this American life episode. Sorry guys. Uh, another shout out, but there's, there's an episode on Canadians and there's a whole piece on him and they, when they play old, his old newscast, I'm like, he could not sound more Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> did he, did he say a boot? I never he, noticed he was, that. He, he, there, you definitely are like, you can hear him say like, well, the president was out and about today. Da, 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 da. Like he just couldn't sound more Canadian. He, he accompanied me into this, into this, uh, is it millennium into this millennium because um, I was one of the people that actually believed that Y2K would happen. So Pat was fast asleep and it was just me and Peter Jennings bringing in this new century together and nothing happened. And (laughs) Peter Jennings cried at the end of it. And I cried with Peter Jennings. And so when he, when he passed away, I really took it personally. And um, he was also had a really nice square jaw. I liked like that too. I, listen, I found him very calming. He's a very soothing newscaster. Yes. And he also enjoyed delivering positive news. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he I think he leaned into positive news because he wanted us to feel safe because he was a marvelous Canadian. Let's uh, let's let's finish this smash game out. I'm going to ask you to tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ooh, it's going to be a long one, guys. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm pausing this, doing some quick math. <laughs> Come back with your 100% guaranteed future. Okay. This is, uh, I'm so happy with uh, how this turned out, like in every way. Like there isn't a thing in here that I'm not like thrilled about. Um, and you'll see why in just a moment. Uh, first of all, I want to say uh, it's exciting to me that Friends never ended. Look, I'm going to be honest. Uh, it was a great show. A lot of us really loved it. Um I'm not going to be the snob that's like, I don't care about that show. It's still on. It, it, thanks it, to you. Okay. So I'm going to knock that one out right away because that's, you know, the least important one of all of these, but it's still great news. Still great news. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be a show that you and your best friend, Peggy Hill, sit down and watch together. Aw, me and Peggy. You and Peg. You and Peg. Um, maybe feasting on uh, all the delicious goat cheese you can get your hands on. Thank you. So congratulations on that. Uh, I want you to know that you have a uh, uh, a, a lovely apartment in Washington, D.C. 
<laughs> so far, I'm, I'm pretty straight, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Very conventional. It only it only stays more conventional. Oh my Don't god, worry. how weird! Um, you're going to be teaching in Spain. Okay, so I, I hope you look forward to That's that. That's good. That's good. Uh, you I you ended up with Bugs Bunny, which is you know already to be true because you're very married to him. <laughs> Damn it. And uh I'm also very excited about your Trader Joe's musical. <laughs> that was the one I really hoped would work out. That's coming Definitely coming to a theater near that. you. Coming to a Trader Joe's near you. <laughs> um and then my most favorite outcome is that you did end up with Peter Jennings. <gasps> oh, so it is very it's very square so, so <laughs> you have a very square it is a very square life a very square but, mash but what's nice is that peter and i can be happy together but we can still have pat as a pet <laughs> there you so go we keep him around well, you found a way to incorporate all the things you cherish and care about including as it turns out your actual husband <laughs> aka bugs bunny <laughs> Uh, I'm very pleased with the smash outcome. I know it's very practical somehow. How even though, funny! Even, even though, though like there's all this cartoon and you have a darkness pair. underneath yeah. it, but that's okay. I like keeping the darkness underneath and yeah. all the straight square stuff outside, which yeah. actually is my life. So See? there we go. You did it. You did it. We did it. I'm so glad you did the podcast. Thank you so much. Bar. Thank you. This has been so fun. I Thanks know. for asking me. I feel really honored. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We've been wanting to do it forever. Um, I hope that uh, those of you who are interested in uh, writing uh, take the opportunity to be... Uh, listen, I should take your class because I'm so... Oh, I'm such an avoidant when it comes to my own writing. You know what? I have friends take the class all the time, and I love having them there because it's like, oh, look, there's my friend. Um, but I can, I can guarantee you'd actually get a script written too. Can, can I, can I plug my podcast? Please do. I mean, Please do. not my podcast. Plug, my um, plug everything. My my website. Plug everything. So my website is on the page TV. If anybody is an aspiring screenwriter or an aspiring TV writer out there, um, I really. I really love teaching and I'd love to teach you. Oh, it's so great. I can stand behind that a hundred percent. What a joy to be in a classroom of any kind with Pilar up to and including your upcoming class in Spain. <laughs> um, as I totally confuse people. No, she for sure is teaching in Spain. You know, I was talking to two people about teaching in Spain this week. It will happen. So I, let's make I mean, it happen. It certainly will happen now. We all know. How and that I works. will pr- pronounce Barcelona, right? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll- you know what? I can't think of a better way than to end with an apology. We've done it. <laughs> Let's both apologize together, guys. I'm sorry. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.